What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into yet another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast here on this Friday with our game on Sunday. Uh, felt it was appropriate. End of the week episode, obviously, with, you know, just in general plans tomorrow before that Sunday game that Noah and I will be in attendance for. We are here to recap the sweep that was of Murray State. A lot to digest from that win. The the victory that was, along with other extracurricular activities that happened after the fact that everybody is talking about. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, I mean, everyone's talking about this budding rivalry. And everyone, you know, even before the first matchup in a couple years that we've been playing them, it's like, well, yeah, they're, they're local. You know, it makes sense if it could be a, a rivalry. I think something was there with that. I didn't 100% believe it. I thought that with them coming to the Valley now, it you know can be solidified. And that's what it looks like it was with our sweep and how everything that happened on Tuesday night, what's going on? Yeah, most definitely. I think it's, it's what has happened in these two games this year. Now that we'll see them, hopefully the Missouri Valley keeps it this way that we'll see them twice a year since we're right down the road from them. And, um, it's just one of these things where in the nineties and in the early two thousands, they didn't want to play us in the last 10 years. We didn't want to play them really. I mean, we played them here and there sometimes back to back years, but there's not really when we were, we were good. They didn't want to play us. And when they started to be really good, um, sometimes we shied away from playing them, but um, hopefully the Valley sees what's happened here and keeps it a two year thing. Um and I, and I know a lot of people would like to see a third time in, in St. Louis. Yeah, I know. And even if the, uh, if, you know, if everything stood today going into the tournament, they would play Valpo in the eight, nine game and the winner would get us as the one seed. So if it ended today, people would get what they want. Uh, it would be interesting, but you mentioned there with playing them twice, hopefully that it, it is. I think the teams that are closest to one another will end up doing that. Like UIC Valpo should play every time. The Iowa schools, Belmont and Murray for sure. Us in Evansville for sure. Like the closest absolute. And that's that's what's going to be interesting of how they actually do it. It's not like totally randomized. Like we know we're going to play Illinois State and Bradley probably twice a year. You never know. Surely that's the plan. But, yeah, I'm not sure how they're going to plan on doing that, if it is randomized or if it's just – if it's the same teams every year, which I can't see happening. So we'll see. Obviously, I have to worry about it till next year or when the schedule comes out in the offseason to even fathom with that. But, yes, it was – you're right. and Neither team wanted to play each other for those stretches. As you mentioned, when we were great and then when they were great, but we had been playing them almost every year, beat them a couple years ago at our place. Jaw came in, blew us out, and we'll get into – with when we dive into the scuffle that was at the end of this, we'll dive into everything that's happened on Twitter. A lot of smack talking going on with fan bases and people alluding to that game, like everything is, you know, like they're just a, a game from five years ago. Everyone's just trying to go off of for all the success with us, with them recently. I mean, it is what it is. We'll dive into that. We'll dive into a lot of, a lot of other stuff as well. Takeaways from this game. A lot of bracketologies we've been retweeting, and most of them are kind of the same, having us around the same spot, maybe against the same team, but we will dive into those. We'll dive into mid-major madness. He was on March for the Arch, just some things he said about us, some tidbits from that, some other March Madness top 25s, uh, NBA Salukis, overseas Salukis. Hopefully, uh, maybe a Canard update. We'll get into games he's got coming up here, and then we'll dive into our second game with Illinois State 
at the end, looking for a sweep there as well, like we said, in a game that we will be in attendance for, looking forward to it. So, Noah, first let's dive into, before we get out of all of that, actually, let's talk about the news that came out today. Uh, more of these flex games. We know, you know, back our Belmont game on New Year's Day, before that was uh, flexed to ESPNU for that day, and we've seen other Valley teams getting this game flexed. And luckily on the 11th against Drake, we're getting a game flex back on national TV. Makes a whole lot of sense. We see how it doesn't make sense with some other matchups, but it is for us. Dive into the news that happened today. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, getting some primetime games is what we've been wanting. And finally, um, I know we had one back on ESPNU on New Year's Day against Belmont, but we do get another one on the 11th at Drake. So that's a big ESPNU game going to be on live TV. Um, then I did notice that on – I was just on the website today looking um, February 5th, our next home game, will be on Bally Sports Midwest. So that's another game people can see on live TV. So um, that wasn't announced. I just happened to notice that on the website today. Uh, great eye with that because, yeah, that game against Missouri State is the only game on that Sunday, and it will be a uh... – a uh, standalone game as people like to say so that'll be fun and it'll be on tv so we won't have to stream it which would be nice yes so we know all the we it feels like we're the only team that hasn't played on valley yet this year that's not the case but it feels like it uh so that'll be nice for sure so yeah it's good to have another national tv game espnu we talk about it. their twitter accounts like dead no one tweets on it but we know you know they still like putting these games on tv and we know that yeah the belmont game we blew them out and obviously just seeing where they are with us, it looks good overall and the national and and people nationally got to see it. So it was a great time. Hopefully I, I'm thinking not the same result because we're on the road in Des Moines for that game. It'll be interesting, but it'll definitely be one worth watching. We're hoping by that point and how everything still plays out for us. So one of the start off with that, that is big news. Now, no, let's talk about pregame stuff leading up to this game. You know, maybe some things we hear on radio, uh, and we know Marcus hurt himself, hurt his ankle in Missouri State. We questioned why, you know, that we had four guys in double figures. He only had 10. Maybe that was a lot uh, to do with his ankle in the second half. It was right at the end of the first half it happened. And they said on the pregame radio that they've been keeping Marcus up to this game. They were keeping him out of full contact practice and drills because of that ankle injury, which which we know, you know, especially with Saturday and then to a Tuesday game, you know, that's only a two-day uh, you know, gap in between that. And it's kind of the case this upcoming week, even though our game is on Wednesday. Uh, but this gap we're having right now from Tuesday to Sunday, if, if you know, if after this game, even Marcus has more time to, uh, you know, to to rest that ankle because no, then I'll switch to another injury on the team. We'll, we'll talk about it because he barely played in the game. No, but we noticed in pregame, Troy was, I, I saw him talking to Riley Hoistad when teams were warming up. Uh, which I just felt was weird, you know, in the moment, I didn't think of anything of it totally at that time. But, and then we saw him, you know, uh, you know, on the bench, he had it wrapped his lower back talking to Riley again. And then no, when he did check into the game, uh, you know, he had to, he was talking to Brian about, you know, how he feels and then he came in and like I said, didn't play a lot. We'll dive into it. But Noah, that's, that's notable. Like I said, we kind of noticed that from the get go. So dealing with two injuries, Marcus might be all right. And I think Troy will with this long, Long break here we got before the next game, hopefully, because we needed him in this game. Yeah, definitely with Marcus, um, the minutes he plays, the overload he gets every game, but uh, taking it easy with him and 
like you said, we these playing on Tuesday, then not not next game till Sunday is big for him. Um, getting some rest, keeping it easy. Said he was signed in the post game. Says he's says his ankle's good to go. Um, he didn't look hobbled or anything. Um, this last, I'd say last season's having a couple injuries. You could tell he's a little bit hobbled, but um, looks fine. Then yeah, Troy ended up only playing about three minutes in this one. His injury, I mean, in these last in this winning streak we've been going on, Troy's been stepping up and playing more and more minutes every night and being big, and sometimes even being in that closing lineup when we want to go small. Um, but yeah, I mean, you saw it last. Last Saturday against Missouri State, he stepped up, uh, guarded Donovan Clay because we know we can count on him to do things like that. But if he's having back issues, we've seen it with Trent Brown all of last year, JD at the beginning of this year, that back injuries, when you hear that, look that lower back region, it's never a good thing. No, and personally, you know, all of us have had back injuries to an extent, you know, maybe not to the, to the level of like – you know, to the athletic level, I don't, I never recall hurting my back really when playing sports that I can remember, but I just know in general, you know, some could hurt their back and, and they aren't, you know, one to mess with. So he shouldn't have even came into this game, obviously, because we'll get into it near the end of the game. But yes, it would have been nice to have him and questioning what the heck would have happened to him. We, we quit, you know, we see some injuries sometimes and wonder why we're working so hard and we want to work hard in practice, but not to a level that hurts guys. Uh, so maybe that was a reason for him, but it can spark up at any point. And you're right, this team can't escape back injuries for some reason. Hopefully he can play on Sunday and obviously into that next game. We're going to need him most arguably almost all of, all year, you know, since the beginning, whenever he was our starting center in some of those games. So that is notable. Like I said, we'll dive into maybe again, you know, as this game goes on at the point where we could have needed him. And then, uh, no, I noticed or in the pregame, Brian's pregame, he did say, uh, that he could tell that we were going to be all right in the Missouri State game. And we, you know, we led all game in that one. And he and he said he could tell because how the team was acting. He said they, they were locked in because of, you know, what did he say that they were, you know, skipping through the halls or whatever, running to the locker room and just acting kind of fluently, which I remember seeing Drake do that at our place when they played us. And we got the win in that one, but it didn't look pretty at the start. And I just remember saying they just look a lot more like they are just ready to play. And we were just going through the motions. And I'd say that can definitely play a factor. So I did notice that in pregame. And then, no, we noticed we weren't officially for sure on it. Just some small tidbit here. You know, throughout the game we noticed. But Aaron Jones was there. We know Green Bay Packer running back. And Noah, he's he's got some relation to one of our players. I'm sure people could figure it out if they even knew where he went to college. It could connect the dots. Like I said, we weren't sure at first. But it's good to see Aaron Jones in attendance. And like I said, he was there for one of our players. Yeah, having a guy like that, I mean – they announced it, but you would think they would show it on the big screen. They usually show um, famous people or former Salukis that come back. They always show them on the big screen or take them out on the court at least. But um, at first, you just thought Fallot was was wrong and didn't seem, but um, seen pictures after the game and him being um, went to UTEP and Jawan Newton being down there ended up finding out they were cousins. So. Um, having a guy like that, that family, I mean, is incredible athletes. I mean, Jawan's got a brother playing at UConn right now. I watched a little bit of his game the other night. So um, that family is loaded with athletes. 
For sure. And yeah, it was Jersey night there. And as soon as they said he was there, we didn't even notice because they, you know, yeah, they would show him on, on the big screen, but they didn't, they panned over towards the, uh, the dog pound with jerseys. We didn't see an Aaron Jones jersey, but it's like, why wouldn't you show him if you talked about it? It'd be too random to not be official. And yeah, we couldn't really tell. And then, yeah, we saw pictures after. So that is cool there for Jawan. Like what are the odds he would come to, you know, Carbondale and Ben Terra center in general. So it's cool to see him. We know, and he was wearing Jawan's NIL jersey. And, uh, you know, we've, I've seen like Lance Lynn there at a game last season and stuff. So you'll get some people here, here every now and then, but that is a big one. So we wanted to talk about that because he is there to support Jawan. Jawan's playing awesome for us, as we know recently. So now let's dive into this four point victory, 68, 64. Uh, you know, Murray was, you know, they beat Indiana state and they, uh, can't even think of what other game they had before that, but if that was only it. So they're riding off a decent win, you know, continuing Indiana State's losing streak. They're coming in here. It's hard to beat. It's hard to sweep a team. It's hard to, you know, beat a good team. We know Murray's a good team, but no, I mean, Kenny White, we talked about he's not playing for them. Brian Moore's playing great. We'll get to it. But Kenny White was able to travel with the team. We weren't sure with everything he's been going through. It's just strange. He was sitting at the end of the bench like he would at home games, and I just thought we heard something about him traveling, but it's clearly not the case. I wish somebody would let us know with if something like that could happen to a player and he was under the influence and driving that uh, if he wouldn't be allowed on the team anymore. So I guess that's all. They're still waiting for more information. I'm not sure. So that was weird. I'll get your thoughts on that, Noah, when I hand it back over to you. But this game, you know, started with the Lance 3, and the thing is that I, you were in Nashville, and I watched all of last game. It was almost exactly how last game was. I think we were up like 9 nothing, maybe even 13 nothing at the start of the last game. And we were up – we got up to 8 nothing in this one. But, you know, Lance had a couple threes. Clarence got on the board. Good to see. He just plays well against Murray. But, I mean, no, we were making it hard for him. DJ Burns turned it over. Uh, I think Jamari Smith had a turnover. I mean, some of the – we were just making it hard for him. And that's what we've been doing at the start of games – which is a good sign. DJ Burns did get on the board to, to, to give them their first points. And, I mean, Jawan had a layup. And, and Noah, you can also dive into this if you'd like. We noticed how Jamari Smith was making threes. We'll get into the amount he had. You gave me the number of the amount that he even shot, has been shooting this year, and made total. Not saying we were really letting him shoot maybe at times, but Noah, he was just shooting them. And he, he made, like I said, he made at least three. We'll get to it. But, you're, I mean, that was crazy. We knew in the moment when he was making them, it's like, come on. But your thoughts on Kenny White making the road trips and how the start of this game went, Jamari Smith making threes. Yeah, I mean, the Kenny White thing, you, you think that uh, – because I was going back with fourth with Racer fans after the game all night long, but um, it's probably just one of those things where um, got pushed under the rug, not saying he just – because they acted like he just made a mistake and he was – let go free according to some of their Twitter fans. But, um, yeah, it's just one of those things we know. We don't know exactly what happened to Armand Fletcher, but we know it was a weed thing, but never found out exactly what happened with him and why we knew why he was suspended. But it's just one of those things where probably just won't be convicted and just got some supervision um, so just one of those things where it is what it is, but yeah, I mean, great. We, I mean, got another great start to this game. It's just, we cannot put a full half of offense together. It feels like ever. And yeah, I mean, 
Smith hitting threes. I mean, he was like nine of like 30 something going into that game. Um, and he hits three. They were clean looks. I mean, once he f- saw the first one go in, you know how shooter or guys are. If they see one go in, they're just going to continue to shoot. And it just happened. Um, JD was not contesting him. He was just giving them open looks and he took advantage of it. Yeah, he did. And even at moments and, you know, you mentioned how, or you mentioned how you were talking with people about Kenny White and it's like, well, we have a mugshot to prove it. So yeah, I don't think he got away clean and he wouldn't be not playing if he got away clean. So yeah, we'll wait for more information on that, but it was weird. Um, but again, I mean, if he, if he's out and he's not, you know, and he's not starting, Guess who's stepping up for him? One of the hottest players in the Valley, and that's Brian Moore. And he was able to, you know, we talked about it. He's able to get to the rim at will. Whenever he wants, people are talking about it. If he gets downhill, it's it's game over. And he was getting some layups. He was also stealing some of our guys. And Lance had a couple free throws in between here. Justin Morgan came in. We'll get to him. He kind of screwed them over at the end, especially in the box score he did. At times, he got in here, turned it over, and then had a foul on him. Lance stole it from him, and then Lance got fouled and made both free throws off of a Justin Morgan foul. I mean, I see just X a steal and a turn. I mean, there was a moment where it was Jacoby Wood, turnover, X steal, X turnover, Brian Moore steal, and that's when Brian got his layup. We'll get into X. He had a crazy game of – we need to talk about him, his hot and coldness every other game, but in this game, you saw it all. You saw the turnovers. You saw the great moments. I mean – we talk about X being our, like, if we had to make a trio on our team and compare it to others in the Valley, X would be in our three. And we can't have that much inconsistency because we already have it from the other two in that trio and in general. Uh, but he had those moments in this game. And then, yeah, you're right. As soon as well, when we were up 12 to seven, there weren't a whole lot of points until Morgan got in the layup for his only field goal. Uh, Brian Moore made a layup, finished an and one when JD fouled him. Noah JD struggled at points in this game. Uh, definitely offensive rebounding. He looked like he could barely get off the floor on some of them, but uh, Burns stole it from him once, and then he got Brian, uh, you know, to finish that and one. Uh, like I said, he was struggling, but yeah, I mean, to the point when they tied it at twelve to twelve because we went forever without scoring, and we talked about these lulls, and Murray was taking advantage of. Them. I can't even recall the looks. Uh, you know, Jawan had another turnover in this, so we were kind of just when it was not making shots, it was turnover. I see a Marcus turnover. Marcus makes some awful passes at times. You know, I mentioned JD struggle, and he turned it on near the end. Whenever they tied it at this point, you see Jamari make another layup uh, before Clarence matched him. Take us through a little bit here. Um, you know, I see a Rob Perry jump shot, and Lance. We know was on him to start, and he was quiet. It seemed like Rob wasn't really getting the looks until maybe in the second half, but. You know, seeing Rob Perry in person, you know, you didn't see him on TV the one time. You've seen him in other games. See him in person, though. I mean, he's he's a spectacular scorer. He's really smooth. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, he, that his his shot reminds you kind of the A.J. Gearing shot where it's over his head and nobody's blocking it. So, and it's nice and smooth. Um, he's just one of those other Murray State guards that they've had to come through their program. Um, glad he's only going to be here one year, but. Yeah, he hit that jump shot. Um, they went on a, a little bit of a run. They took a 17-14 lead. Um, but Lance then hit a three. Jawan hit another three. So back-to-back threes right there. We took a 20-17 lead. Um, then Marcus got some free throws after a Brian Moore jumper. Um, then Jamari Smith hit one of his threes, 22-22 with 6.28 left. Then it was back and forth until – um, the 352 mark when it was 28-28, we hit 
I believe, a couple threes. Uh, X hit back-to-back, then Trent. Good to see Trent Brown um, get one to go finally. He had a three to make it back-to-back-to-back threes where we took a 34-28 lead. Um, then they, Rob Perry got a jumper with about two minutes left, and there was – in the last two minutes of the half, there was no point scored. So right then and there was 34-30 at the half. Yeah, it was good to see X hit those threes. Yeah, back-to-back. He shushed to their bench at one point. They got a video of that. Um, and this is whenever DJ Burns started getting foul trouble. I just see it because he had two here in like a – and probably like a minute stretch here, an exact minute stretch. Got two fouls. One of them was a Marcus and one. Uh, and we knew, and the and we'll, we'll, I mean, the dog pound, we'll get into them because they kind of factored in at the end. Not really, they do their usual thing, but they were great in this game. They showed out. It was FFA for high schoolers on the other end. There was a 6,500 uh, uh, plus crowd there, which was great. And the dog pound was really good. They had the heads, they had the flags, they had everything. Swim team showed up, but I was just because I just thought of it when they were going crazy on free throws. Uh, we just said Rob Perry's not missing those, so he made a couple. Quincy Anderson, we'll get to him. He had an up and down second half, but when he gets in, he he impacts. And he had a jump shot. He impacted that game. That almost was the reason why they won the last one because he came in and guarded Marcus and did an adequate job. But, yeah, X is a couple threes, and it was good to see Trent. Marcus found him. Those two like to find each other. On certain things we, we talk about when Trent starts to drive, he'll find him. I think on one of Marcus's threes, maybe in Missouri State, Trent drove and found him on one of those. So they've been finding each other. Great to see him get on the board. Yes, for his first points in a month, I think, or more. So, and then, yeah, you're right. It, it got all the way till it was 34 to 30. And the connection was bad. And the thing we retweeted what the halftime stats were. No dive into maybe even just the one we retweeted. If you dive into anything else that stuck out, probably the rebounding margin wasn't fair to us at the first half. What else do you see? Yeah, definitely. I mean, turnovers is a is a big one. I mean, both teams were not good with the turnovers in that first half. Um, but you got to see – you see X right there. Like I said, he had those back-to-back threes. Um, besides a couple bad turnovers, he had a chase-down block in this one in that first half um, after he turned the ball over. Um, but the turnover turnovers got to clean those up. We got to start playing cleaner basketball on offense. Um if we want to stop having these lulls that we not able to capitalize um, on their turnovers as well. But um, at half, we were both shooting 50% from the field. We were seven of 15 from field goals in the first half. They were two of six, Um, but they had a 16 to nine rebounding margin. Um, They just have athletes that a lot of times, if you're not checking out, they're going to go get those offensive rebounds. And luckily they were missing easy tip-ins throughout this game, or it could have been uh, a big loss in this one. No doubt. They'll have those runs. They'll have those moments though, where they'll, where like, they'll shoot themselves in the foot kind of thing. And um, yeah, I mean, seven of 15 from three is, in, is amazing. I mean, that's right below 40%, obviously. And talk about the team we can be, Whenever we're shooting like that, but I mean, yeah, four shots. We talk about how we have we've been in the paint, and only four shots that were made were in the paint. We know we've been living and dying by the three, making them or not, and we've been squeaking by with wins. So it is surprising they did out rebound us by seven. They had four offensive boards. You mentioned that stretch by uh by X, and I mean there were six steals apiece even in halftime. Like I said, some turnovers as well. We had like fifteen points off their turnovers, I think, but. 
Uh, yeah, X would make – he would drive in deep. I remember on a fast break, first half or second half, fast break, probably had one on two, probably could have drawn the foul and did something, dribbled it out, anything, if he didn't like the look. To have a 360 turnaround pass that he only threw it to half court and it led to, I think – I think it was Brian who Brian Moore could have gotten fouled on the play. It was transition defense, and and we we escaped with that. So it's it's one of, it's those things that you escape with. But other than that, I said we were just playing okay on both ends. Other than that, but we had did have that great look before the half and couldn't get anything to fall on a terrible look that Marcus had just a left wing three. I'm pretty sure he airballed. So yeah, let's let's dive into the second half now. There were no points for about a minute and a half. To Lance made a couple free throws. Uh, Marcus had a dunk. This is the one that X found him on. It looked like he was, uh, you know, he was ready. He knew as soon as he even was at the three-point line, he was going to grab it around the free throw line. He was going to take two steps and dunk it. Uh, that gave us an eight-point lead. And you, this is when you see a lot of you, this is when you see some of the turnovers, Marcus's bad passes. That, I think that other one was X's. It was that one. Jacoby would miss the layup on the other end, and and that was the one. X turned it over here, and Brian, and Brian stole it. Uh, that went all the way down to Jacoby. But, you know, Brian Moore went one of two from the line. This is when, like I said, DJ Burns was in foul trouble. I don't see him doing anything to this point. So he was sitting out a lot. He didn't play a whole lot of minutes. And I look at the thing now, but the 15-minute mark, he got one of his other fouls. So I think that's when he came out. But, no, I mean, we'll talk about the scuffle at the end, but there are points in this second half, I believe, whenever there was like a five-minute delay because they were looking at Clarence and Burns getting into it. And people were standing. I kind of – was trying to see the angle because Brian got tripped up and I guess it was just talking after the fact. We know at some points in the second half people were stepping over over players and stuff. It was getting it was getting chippy as we know, but it started at that point with Clarence and Burns. Um and like I said, it took like five minutes for them to decide what they want to do and it was just a double technical. So obviously nothing ended up happening from it. But uh it was good to see. I mean no doubt I mean, that was like the spark of it all, clearly. And it, it carried over with some other instances before the end. But I mean, I was, I just love seeing, I mean, Clarence got an offensive board here and finished it. I mean, picked him for a dog of the game just because of what he did against them last time that we knew he had to be big. And when, when they had Jamari Smith as their center when Burns was out, you had to take advantage. And I mean, Jamari hurt us at times as being the center because we went smaller. Like I said, it would have been nice to have Troy in there. Uh, but no, we saw Sam Murray at some points in the second half, but. I mean, throughout this, we saw Dalton make a couple. I mean, it was the Brian Moore show on their end for the most part. Jamari hit another three. Dalton came in, had a had one of those uh, driving layups. And once he gets downhill, I mean, he's – no, I think you said it to me in the moment. He's like the only one that actually looks to score when he touches it. He'll, he'll make passes, and I think he had a bad one in this game. But, no, I mean, he'll find the rim and he'll, and he'll finish. He's a great finisher. If X had Dalton's determination to the rim, I think X would even be a lot better. But Dalton played well on this one. Yeah, he'll well, – I mean, the time he did, that's when he drives baseline. He's the only one that will go and square his shoulders and finish with contact. Uh, usually all our other guards are looking to pass out or something like that. But um, it was good to see Dalton. He's starting to uh, – he was on in the doghouse, and he talked about um, his minutes off the bench and coming into this game. And he, He's starting to play well. He has his moments where um, he turns it over or something, but – He's starting to find that role coming in here, playing defense, picking up guards, um, full court press, and starting to wear guys down. But it was the Brian Moore show. Jamari was big. Quincy Anderson had his moments in this second half, but he also had his terrible moments where 
he probably cost him in this one, but um, it was good to see Dalton come in. Not a lot of other guys. I mean, we didn't play. Foster came in this one, played like a minute, I think, in this game. But um, Trent played, starting to get more minutes. Um, I'd say if, if Troy's down, um, we'll play a little bit smaller with, with Trent in there. But Trent played decent minutes in this one. Um, but Dalton, really big off the bench. J.D. come in, did not. I mean, he ended up fouling out in this one, but two points in this one. Did not rebound as much, so it was a different game for J.D. off the bench, but defensively, um, he was pretty solid in this one. Yeah, we'll get into he – he did have – his two points were pretty pivotal down the stretch, but, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, after, you know, Jamari hit his three, Jacoby Wood, who we'll get into, I mean, he he just does not play well against us. Other than that, I think he's pretty solid overall. It's weird. I mean, just we defend him differently. We defend him differently and really good on, on their ball screens and stuff, not, you know, and pushing them out. We were hedging really good in this game and getting back. Uh, and, I mean, Marcus said it through. I think this might have been one at the top of the key that gave us because it was only a one-point game at that point. Uh, or it said Jawan got an offensive board, and then Trent ended up finding Marcus. I think that was top of the key. So that gave us a four-point lead at that point. Dalton did have one of his other layups. Match from Jamari, I think that was whenever – we, you know, we were going small. Marcus was – I think Jamari was the best matchup for Marcus. We didn't want him on guys that can beat him off the dribble, but Jamari got an easy layup. Uh, Lance was trying to just force a transition look and got blocked by Rob, and then that, you know, forced him to go down. But Brian Moore missed the three. Yeah, whenever Quincy got in here, this was the start of his good stretches here. He'd make – he would get offensive rebounds for himself or just in general, get the benefit of a call – like maybe they weren't like the best calls or he was maybe selling it a little bit, but the fact that he was able to get there and he made these first couple that he shot. Uh, and then, you know, Brian had another layup. So they re- they took the lead at 52 to 50 with that layup from Brian uh, after a Jacoby Woods steal. And then they grabbed a four point lead. And I wouldn't say it was bleak at this point, Noah, because there was still six and a half minutes left, but they did grab that lead. Like we said, this is when Sam Murray came in. He didn't do anything wrong. He came in, defended well, and they actually used him in the post at times on JD. We know he's a true freshman. He's long and lanky. He'll be good one day as he just can, continues to develop. Uh, but after that Rob jump shot to give them up by four, we took a timeout. But then we were we were good off the rip there out of the timeout that, uh, you know, got us right back into it. So we know, obviously, we had a good – uh, or obviously it was no point to give up. I mean, there's just way too much time left. Noah, dive us into this this little bitty stretch here when we regain when we regain the lead or retied it at the five minute mark. Yeah, really, really out of that timeout, it was a good set um, for Marcus to get a good look in the corner, knocked it down. Uh, Quincy Anderson got a layup um, after that three to make it a three point lane three point game again. Uh, JD fouled Quincy. He missed the front end of the one and one Lance hit a three to tie it. Brian Moore answered that with a three of his own. JD got a good offensive rebound off a missed jumper. My Marcus tipped it in for his only basket of the game. Um, Anderson with another got fouled again by JD. He was just offensive rebound and JD was fouling him um, when he was going back up with it. One of two from the line. It was 60 to 58 right then and there. Then this is where, Quincy Anderson's bad stretch, missing some free throws and fouled Xavier on a three-point shot. 
X made all three of them, 61-60 with 321 left. It was good to see X go to the line. He's starting to um, knock down all his free throws. And then Quincy Anderson, offensive foul um, drawn by, I think it was X, or no, this was JD where JD stepped in front. Turnover by Quincy Anderson. Lance hits a jumper, 63-60 with 241 left. Um, then JD got an offensive rebound, tried kicking it out. Um, it was stolen by, um, ripped from him by Rob Perry. Um, then this right here when JD picked up another foul. Um, so JD fouls out right there with 219 left. Get that stretch. I mean, that's whenever Quincy, you know, you mentioned he was getting him you know, and we, he was getting to the free throw line at will. And it was some of these, you know, he would kind of be underneath the basket, kind of hiding from the defense, to be honest. And he'd creep and then he'd use his athleticism to, you know, to try to tip one in. And, you know, Justin Morgan tried to as well. Uh, but you're right. I mean, miss he went – he missed those two free throws, which were crucial, one for one both times, or missed the initial one for one and then went one for two. That second time when they did have that two-point lead and then it did lead to him Fallon X, it was kind of another last second – uh, kind of he that we you know he likes to do and Quincy I guess got into his space and yes X did hit both that's one thing we know he's for sure doing this year is he's making his free throws just needs to shoot more and yeah as soon as you know JD set that charge you know we kind of said we were saying in the moment to one another like these possessions are crucial clearly uh, and X did you know he just easily beat up I think Brian off, off the rip to the rim and got a layup so gave us that three-point lead and then uh yeah, and then Fallon, another – it was a bad foul. You're right, J.D., uh, Fallon, Rob Perry on that steal. They you know, got it back, back to one, yes. And then uh, Marcus had a layup, which was easy. He was missing more bunnies in this one. He continues to do that every game. Uh, it's just – it's it's crazy. I, like, I, I want to always look back or go back and look at him to see, like, how easy they actually were besides just looking at him in the moment and going back and to confirm. And I'm sure he, he's got to be beating himself over it as well. But he got – a layup or kind of like a hook shot that got us up three and then Rob Perry matched him again. So it's like, okay. And then they took a timeout as soon as he made it. So up one, we know how crucial these possessions are. Lance missed a layup that was blocked, blocked by Brian more. And then they went down. Luckily, whenever, you know, Justin Morgan missed an offensive rebound tip that when, when Rob missed his own layup, Justin Morgan left a lot of points on the board, missed that one. Rob got it back again. We couldn't get a, a defensive rebound. And then Jawan was able to steal it from Rob. They got us the possession that Justin Morgan fouled him. Jawan, of course, went one for two at the free throw line because we were in the double uh, and then gave us a two-point lead. Jacoby missed a three. You're right. And on that Brian Moore three, that was earlier when they when they regained, when they regained the lead after we tied it with a three was whenever we were going underneath screens, which was, was a bad idea. You know, we know Brian's great at the rim, and we're almost like, okay, and we're not going to let him shoot. We know we can hit it, but of course, he hits that one in the moment. He's just a big time player. Uh, we have, I mean, Jawan should have made both of those. He only made one, so two point lead. And then they have more opportunities after Jacoby missed that through Justin Morgan, missed more tips. I mean, they're giving him credit for these offensive rebounds, and he's missing layups, and he's missing tip backs. Marcus got the rebound, got it up to Dalton. Jacoby fouled him. Dalton hit two of the biggest free throws of the season. With 22 seconds left, hit them both, ice in his veins. They call, tried to call a timeout in between, and then Jacoby missed a three, and then that's how it ended up. More offensive rebound misses from Justin Morgan. I mean, he, I mean, he was trying to, like, put it back with a dunk or something. Didn't make any sense, but that was the final score, thanks to those Dalton free throws to end it. 68-64, and then Noah, when we were kind of – we were celebrating the win, another close win. Next thing you know, there's pushing and shoving. 
and you know by video you can just tell um you know, or on the, you know, on the broadcast version, Brian was already over there, you know, high five in the dog pound. And then all of a sudden he's running over yanking Clarence back, yanking AJ Ferguson back and even JD uh, who knows what was said, Noah. And that, um, and that whatever, probably from the play we mentioned earlier that happened in the game, I'm sure Clarence instigated it. I wouldn't you know, be surprised if DJ who would let anything get to him in that moment that he sparked it and, we go back to watching Isaiah Stewart on the Pistons with the Lakers a season ago where he was just throwing guys down. I remember seeing at one point Murray State assistants were getting thrown to the ground, not to that level, but they were tripping or something. And no way, it, it got to the middle of the whatever, and we were talking, we'll take our bigs against anybody. But like I said, DJ Burns was letting anything affect him at that point. Dive into your perspective. What happened and then, you know, talk about when DJ was going off the floor, what even happened that people are making a big deal about as well. And guess who wasn't even there to protect his, you know, to in the moment to like hold his players back. And that was Steve Prohm. He was too busy doing something else. Dive into all that. Yeah, definitely. Just, I mean, both got technicals early in that second half. Um, definitely both probably said something in the line or something. Just two guys that play with a lot of emotion and, um, just let it get to the best of them. I mean, it's all we knew it. We knew it was getting chippy in that second half, and we knew, especially um, with the pushing and shoving, which I don't mind the pushing and shoving and all that. But um, as long as nothing else, I mean, the conference didn't make a statement or anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, Prom chased the officials into the tunnel. He wasn't worried about his guys. Um, I seen people. I seen a, an account that was given all the coaches credit and I, and I had to correct him. I said, well, Crom gets zero credit because he was in the tunnel already letting the officials have it and all that. But yeah, I mean, Murray was after that scrum, Murray was walking off the floor and some big old redneck said something to DJ Burns and Burns almost uh, probably, I mean, I wouldn't have blamed him for swinging on him. He probably, no one in, you're in Southern Illinois, probably something was said that shouldn't have been said. And after those emotions, we're already at a high. They got probably to an all-time high, and it could have just been a, a lot ugly, uglier of a situation. But um, luckily, the players held him back because it could have been a lot worse. I mean, I agree, but that fan probably needs to be uh, banned from the arena because that just can't happen. I mean, there's a difference. I mean, I've seen a lot of posts that Murray fans that were taking pictures of SIU fans that they were sitting next to that said they were saying stuff they shouldn't be saying to players like that. I mean, if you can't do that, stay home. We don't want that here. That's there's a there's it's all good and fun when the student sections are chanting stuff, but once it again get into the racial stuff and something you can't be saying, um, you just you need to grow up. I mean, you're adults. It it just can't happen that way. No, and even unless it was confirmed from others, you know, even if Brian would or DJ would say that, you know, it was racial things said to him, like, you know, I feel like there would definitely have to be more proof because that is a, you know, a definite big deal, uh, you know, and it's uh, it's hard to assume that that was said. Like I said, DJ, I think, would react to anything. I mean, we were even yelling in the moment because it was like, man, you're a sore loser. And in the moment, you know, you're letting it get the best of them. Things were said. Scrums will happen. I'm glad no punches were thrown in general. Uh, yeah, fans should not be yelling. And maybe he was just saying, get out of here. I mean, there are a lot of people yelling, you know, you lost, get off the floor kind of thing. And, 
people were trying to blame, you know, the dog pound for coming out that they escalated things. I mean, they were right there. So I guess they weren't really making it, you know, better in the moment. And then, you know, we know they were talking throughout the game. They probably said something too. I doubt it was anything related to what another fan would say from the dog pound. They were probably just saying, you know, you lost kind of thing, but yeah, fans shouldn't. I mean, he was on the floor and then DJ kind of, you know, who knows? Yeah. Who knows what he said, but the fact, you know, DJ was going at him, pointing at him. It was a big moment. Uh, who knows? He could have just said, get out of here. And then he could have reacted that way or said some smack, but yeah, we'll never know. Hopefully it wasn't anything bad because that looks clearly bad on us when we're, we take so much pride in our fan, you know, our fan base and showing up and doing right that you're right in this, you know, in this, in this area, you just never know sometimes. So hopefully it's not found out what was exactly happened. You know, it's, you know, one word against another. I'm, I don't know if DJ was then asked about it, but I'm sure he was heated after the game. It was really just him and Jamari Smith kind of going at other players on the team, but, you know, our guys weren't going to step down. And then once everything was cleared, yeah, Prome didn't even come out at one bit. And then next thing you know, we're taking the, the players are taking a picture with the dog pound again. So, uh, you know, escalated that rivalry. And they got Brian said after the game about fan bases. He said that, you know, we have a great fan base. So theirs is decent, not as good as ours. And that has sparked some things as well, uh, which is all good fun, obviously. And, you know, we know they have a great fan base. We know that. And, you know, we know we have one good as two, but just those kind of jabs that make it fun. That's what makes it. A budding rivalry, no doubt about it. So let's dive into this box score quickly. I mean, it, I mean, they shot pretty. I mean, they shot forty-one percent. That was because Jacoby Wood didn't make a field goal. I don't think he made a field goal in the last game either. He was zero for seven, and Morgan was one for eight. Other than that, they did pretty well. I mean, Rob was six for eleven for uh, eight, 16 points. He had ten rebounds. Brian Moore had nineteen on. Uh, he could have been a little bit better from the free throw line, but he was seven of twelve. Did hit the one three of his two. Uh, DJ on the plate, 13 minutes with four fouls and two points. And Jamari, six of 11, three of four from three for 15. So their other big three did really good in this game. And Jacoby Woods kind of bringing them down. He did have six assists. He was doing true point guard things, but he had four turnovers. Like I said, didn't make it field goal. Only had one total point. If he scores six points, they win this game. So he could have done a lot more. We mentioned Morgan's one for eight. Quincy Anderson, nine points. He had his mess ups, as we know. And then on our side, Marcus Lattis in minutes with 37, 6 of 14, 17 points. He did have five rebounds or five uh, turnovers. Still leads the league in turnovers. He did have five rebounds and five assists, doing his usual everything. We'll have a topic on him at some point here. Uh, Lance, 36 minutes, 19 points, five rebounds himself. He remains to be an awesome from the free throw line, five of six. Him and Jawan had our only misses. We were 14 of 16 as a team. Uh, but Lance was good four of 10 from three point line. We were thinking back to games that Lance was good from the three point line. If we even, well, we only, we've only lost five games, but to see, you know, what he did or what the team did in a game where he didn't shoot well and 40% is obviously not bad. Um, X 34 minutes, Jawan 33 minutes. I mean, no, we talked about what they did in the last game, all scoring and double figures and Jawan and X are doing their thing. We have the perfect starting five. I mean, seeing Eric or Clarence drop six, this is the five we should continue to roll with. You mentioned Foster barely playing. We didn't see Scotty, uh, you know, at moments he could have definitely came in. You can just tell whenever him and Foster are sitting near the end of the bench next to Kate and AJ that they're probably not going to play in that game. We've seen them still get off the bench from that angle. But, I mean, Noah, like I said, Scotty could have changed things. Maybe when DJ Burns wasn't in the game, you know, you weren't going to throw Scotty in there and we – uh, couldn't eat him at times along with Foster. Yeah, could you never know what was your what do you what sticks out to you in this in this box here? 
Yeah, you touched on all the major ones, but there's some little things. I mean, um, obviously, here in these last two games, three-point percentage going up, that's that's starting at this stretch where we need to start shooting the ball better. Um, that, that percentage would be a little higher if Lance would um, stop shooting. He, I mean, he's probably averaging eight or nine. He shot 10 in this one. Um, five offensive rebounds, that's good for us, but allowing 15 um, – not going to win a lot of games doing that. So that's where Scotty can come in and maybe affect that. But I um, guess just don't think he's in shape, ready to play, or just don't trust him in moments like this. Not sure exactly. Um, but, yeah, Foster's just really kind of thrown in at different spots, so he's never going to get in a rhythm like we, we've preached about um, a guy like that. Yeah, we know his, you know, he and if he can, he he did come in and he was guarding Justin Morgan. We said, "Oh, he can guard a guy like that and stay on the floor just fine." And yeah, I mean, as a team, we are shooting better from three. I mean, you know, yeah, ten of twenty six, thirty nine percent. I mean, we're I mean, they don't shoot threes all that well. I'm sure. I mean, Jamari had three of their four. You know, so you know, um, and Jacoby doesn't really miss as much as he does against us for some reason. But yeah, they missed six free throws. We only we went fourteen of sixteen. You're right. The offensive rebounds can't be allowed. I can assure people that Scotty would be grabbing those rebounds with ease. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, and overall, we had one more defensive rebound. So we were able to keep them, I guess, off the glass at times. And we I think of some of our offensive rebounds uh, that Clarence one sticks out. But they had 11 steals on us. We had eight. We had four blocks to their two. That's, a, you know, Murray's top half of the league in blocks. We're obviously bottom three, I think, or bottom one in blocks. It was good to see us do that. 16 turnovers apiece. We we're trying to think about – so only we've lost five times. When we when we turn it over less than ten times, you know, we're definite winners, and we were able to get by with this one with 16. Uh, so, overall, we allowed them to shoot only 41% as a group. We shot 47%. So – Overall, clearly a, you know, we were able to finish and that was the, that was the note of it all. They had their chances and that's why they've, you know, grown into a six and five record this season is because some games are not able to finish. They escaped against Indiana State. You know, they were able to pull away because, you know, Indiana State shot terribly in that game from three. Um, but just the fact that, um, you know, and they're not going to lose at home. We're the only home loss. Looks like they're not going to lose another one. They, they do host Belmont here before long, but. Uh, just to, uh, you know, another win where, like I said, didn't look bleak at that point. We were losing. We're like, okay, we need to still try to win these close games. But, uh, and that's what we did. Like I said, a little bit of their wrongdoing, but obviously us hitting some more clutch shots was the difference in this game. So, quick quote from Brian. He was talking about the dog pound quote. I want to start by thanking the dog pound and the community for coming out tonight. It was an unbelievable atmosphere. So, it makes this place so special. I thought our guys showed a lot of poise, a lot of resilience. And toughness to be able to win that game when we didn't play our best basketball, end quote. So, I mean, and in terms of other takeaways as well, I think we covered all of them. Uh, Noah, your final thoughts on this game, and then we'll get into – there was a, a thing with home career points list that my, that the main account tweeted. We'll dive into, and then we'll, then we'll dive into other games around the valley. Yeah, definitely. I mean, an ugly, tough-fought win. Um, that's what we've started to accept here. We know um, the style of play it's going to be, and we're going to grind out games and be able to have the poise and the, the to be able to be mature, have a veteran-led team to be able to be down 
give up the lead that late and be able to come back from it and win win this ball game by knocking down some late free throws. Um, it's a learning moment again for this team, and they just keep finding a way to win games. It's like I said, it's we've accepted as who our coach is that it's not going to be pretty, but we know that even though when the offense is not there, that this team is going to all five guys on the floor is going to guard their tails off. So um, that's where it's going to be this rest of this way. So um, the more games we learn from this winning tight games like this, it'll help us down the road. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's showing in general that we're tough to put away. Like you, you, you can't have an early, you know, short lead against us. And then, cause we can call back, you know, home or away, uh, and there was a stat that Jake Siegel was throwing around in News 3 that were four and eight and, you know, within five point games last year. And I don't know what his record said this year. It's really good, though, I can assure, because I think all of our most of our losses were by at least close to double figures or more. So uh, we've done a good job in close games this year. So that is something to tip our cap on. And you're right. We're just being a lot more clutch down the stretch and defense is always going to keep us in. Teams can, like I said, can never really put us away so quickly. All-time scoring list at Banterra Center slash SIU Arena. Marcus is now ninth at 723. He'll be passing. He'll be in the top five before we know it. You know, fifth is Greg Sterick at 791. Steve Middleton behind him at 787. He's got Ashraf and Dick Garrett to pass here. Before long, Lance is at 672. He's right behind Armand Fletcher, 12 points away. Darren Brooks is shortly ahead of him at 9 and 14. Both of them are respectively in we just recall seeing Anthony Bean at two on there and recalling the play that he got fouled, hit his head on the hit his head on the floor. He, sh- he was going to, you know, or he just was one free throw away from from breaking it. it. It's 885 is the record and he missed it. And then that was his last home game, never saw it. So he is still tied with him. So can assure everybody the, the remaining games the rest of the way Marcus will get close and obviously next year. Uh, you know, he obviously has a has a chance to not double it, but definitely get in the thousands with ease. So uh stat on that. And then Noah now talk about other games around the valley before we get into all the other bracketologies, all the other we'll, we'll update the standings and there's a new seating probabilities, and then there's something we also want to talk about of people thinking about Larry Bird contenders and they're they missed somebody, but go ahead and talk about the games. Yeah, also on Tuesday night, um over in Springfield, Missouri. Um UIC went down there and uh, it was really an ugly game as just like ours. Um, 63-59 win for the Bears. Donovan Clay leading the way, 19 points for him in this one. Austin Mason also had 19. So Bears get a bounce back win after dropping one to us at home. Um, But it was a decent game. I mean, UIC led led at half by one was unable to close it out. The Bears sneak away with the win. Jace Carter had 19 for the Flames in that one. Then the nightcap um, was definitely the best game of of the uh, Tuesday slate. Um, Indiana State went on the road to Des Moines to play Drake. Um, Voss, Voss hit a three um, to take the lead for Indiana State with about four seconds left. Then um, off – Basically, a broken play. DJ Wilkins hits a three at the buzzer to uh, give Drake the win, 70-68. Um, big win for Drake. Uh, just the trees continue to slide. Um, 
a lot of people didn't believe him believe in them at six and zero, and nobody definitely does believe in them now. So twenty one for Tucker DeVries in that one, twenty two for McCauley, twenty two for Avila, um, his career high now as a freshman. Then on Wednesday night, Belmont um, went on the road to Evansville, seventy three sixty four. Evansville fought to keep that one close, but Ben Shepard had twenty three. Um, no Kate Tyson in that game for Belmont. Uh, you and I took care of business at home against Valpo, led by Bowen Bourne with 18. Valpo um, down big at half, battled back in the second half, but could not get close enough. 22 and 8 from Cricky and 14 and 12 for Kobe King in that one. So Panthers staying staying hot. Feels like they're always playing at home for some reason. Then the, the big one that night, Illinois State traveled up the road to play Bradley in the rivalry matchup 79 75 win Bradley somehow has escaped in overtime um in this one I mean Illinois State done everything everything right but win in this one I mean they out rebounded Bradley 44 to 25 um I mean Bradley was 18 of 32 from the free throw line for 28 percent or for 56 percent everything but win in this one Illinois State Drops one on the road. I mean, if they would have won that one, they'd been riding high going into our matchup Sunday, but um, they won't let one slip away. So it was a good week of basketball um, with what happened to us on Tuesday night, watching the ending of that Drake game, then watching that OT game um, in the Illinois State Bradley game this week. Yeah, tons of great games, and there weren't really any blowouts. I mean, yeah, you and I is an 11-point win, but we couldn't really get any help, and this was the week that we thought we could get some. I mean, UIC, yeah, they also had that game almost won until, I mean, you were telling me throughout the chance more hit a big three or hit big shot at the end to, like, give them the lead for good, and uh, UIC had their chances in that one, and then you're right, that crazy game. McCauley, who's been fantastic this year, honestly, almost every game. He's been great. Made that huge shot, thought Drake was going to lose another one at home, and then that ball does tip back out to Wilkins for a three. I mean, just absolute heartbreak. I mean, NES State's shown in some of these that they can play it close. They just can't finish either. I think, you know, our eight-point win against them, and then they lost by nine at Murray other than that, and they're in their losing streak. You know, they've been keeping it kind of close, and they've had moments, but they can't finish it, and that's all that matters, and then – yeah, we, you know, Valpo had, you know, I think they had an early lead. They had an early lead at the get go, and then you and I just got the McLeod Center magic. And even against, you know, Valpo had been playing hot to that point, so we were hoping they could have won. And then Evansville fought Belmont for sure. No K Tyson in that game. We were wondering, you know, what the heck's wrong with him. And we, you know, we talked about, you know, if we're talking in general, it seemed like he'd be the favorite for freshman of the year with the numbers he's putting up all across the board. That's better than a lot of other. Uh, and a lot of other stats that some other freshmen are doing, but the fact that he's missed two conference games doesn't isn't really in his favor. So they were still able to get the job done. We talked about maybe Casey was just sitting him something nagging and knowing that they could get the job done against a team like that. And then yeah, that other game, Illinois State had it in the bag. I mean, they had it in the bag right before they were just you know, and it's for some reason when they turn it over, they don't let it, they don't let it affect them in the moment, even though it's like a massive mistake they made and. Eden tries, you know, likes he keeps them kind of at bay in the moment. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I remember Poindexter hit a huge three at one point, whether that was in regulation or overtime. Seneca Knight was great. They just they had their moments and they they let Bradley. Bradley was terrible free throw shooters near down the stretch as well. 
uh, Connor Hickman hit a huge three to solidify it uh, or at least forced overtime. But they had their moments. All these games, we could have had all the teams that we needed to win, win, and literally none of them did. But they got really, really close. So it was a great week of games. So if we look at the standings, we weren't alone in first place for long until the next day. We expected Belmont to win, and they did, both 9-2. and two. You and I still sitting alone at 8-3. and three. It's incredible what they've done this year. Drake, Bradley, Missouri State all at 7-4. and four. Murray and Indiana State at 6-5. and five. Murray's got the tiebreaker there. Valpo and Illinois State at 3-8. and eight. Valpo's got the tiebreaker. And then UIC 1-10. and 10. It's crazy how it seems like they'll get one at some point. They'll get another one. They're they're too talented in certain spots to keep losing all these games. And then Evansville is still 0 for 11. So, you know, we'll dive into the seeding probabilities, and then we'll get into quickly what the – if Arch Madness ended, like I said today, what the matchups could be before we move on. Yeah, definitely. It's looking like it's starting to look more in our favor, up to 43% for that number one seed, um, down to 35 for Belmont for that first place seed. Um, looking like 96%, we will get a buy for a top four seed. So that's good. But matchups would be, as of today, we would be the one, Belmont the two, the three seed would be Bradley, Drake the four, five seed Missouri State, six seed and Indiana State, the seven would be you and I. It's crazy that um, simulations and probabilities really think you and I is dropping to the seven. Like I said, I know they always feel like they're playing at home, um, but I think the way Jacobson's coaching and that team's playing, I don't see no way they drop to seven. Um, Murray State, the eight, the nine would be Illinois State, the ten, Valpo, UIC 11, and Evansville 12. So obviously in that one, as the one seed, we would get the winner of Murray and Illinois State, which that's, I mean, they want it. Brian Moore's tweet in March. They want to see us again, and I had no problem seeing them on Friday in March again. No, at the, at the noon game, let alone – and it, it'd be a whole day stretch that they'd have. So Thursday isn't like the total because you have the rest of that Thursday and then you have that early game. But yeah, if Chalk would prevail, we, we'd we get that matchup. Missouri State over Evansville. Then you get Drake and Missouri State, Belmont and Indiana State. We know Illinois State would fight at Indiana State, but it'd be Belmont, Indiana State. And then Bradley, if they beat UIC, would get UNI. So some great Friday games if all that would happen. It would be Chalk in that instance, but we know that all the great matchups that can happen. If we were still the one seed, we talked about you know who we maybe would like to play or like to play over whoever, but oh well. And then uh, Noah, quickly before we before we move on, there was the the valley just had a random post. It was the night of Wednesday night, I believe. Whenever they were posting about Larry Bird watching, they said who they're watching. It was Ben Shepard, Tucker DeVries. You know, Ben's a foregone conclusion. Tucker even because he's leading the league and scoring in the league and he's on a seven and 14, the preseason favorite, and he's a preseason player of the year. You know, you could even, someone can make an argument clearly for Tucker, but no, I mean, Rick Matt is fantastic player. He's the best big in the league, him and Cricky. And Rink is a, like I said, phenomenal player. He shouldn't be on that list though of guys they're watching. And they're pretty much alluding to the fact that those should be the three favorites. No, I think they're missing somebody. Yeah, I mean, they're missing, I don't know how you just put, three people on there. They're missing two guys. I mean, Bowen Bourne's tied with Tucker leading the league in points, and he's top three in the league and as his team-wise. So he's carrying them. But obviously, I mean, Marcus the Mask, 
is he leads you put out the tweet there he leads so much for us what he does in every category for us and is in the top of the league in so many stats in that top half so i just don't know how you do it like i like i told you um yesterday it felt like that tweet was made back in after the preseason polls came out and they scheduled to be tweeted wednesday it's just crazy to see um the disrespect i mean nobody Looks like nobody thinks he can win it and uh, don't believe in us winning this league at this point. Just crazy because Rink had the injury to start the season and he gradually got back into it. And, you know, it doesn't make sense. I mean, I feel like when people think of players of the year, they're going to think of Ben, but they immediately think of Marcus. I don't know, the two top teams in the league. I don't know. Just weird. Yeah, he was top 12 in every stat. None of those top three were doing that in the stats that they showed. And he's top seven in field goal percentage and third in free throw percentage. So it is what it is. Just funny because then we were watching that and Rink was missing those clutch free throws. Didn't have the hottest game against Illinois State. Uh, So, yeah, we're watching him, you know, not play well. And we're seeing Marcus doing what he's doing for us. Yeah, he does. He does do too much for us to not put him on here. I guess I could say a lot for, for bad and good to an extent, but we're in first place proven at all. So, no, quickly, Nets, new net rankings came out. They're pretty similar to what they had been. You know, we're not moving a whole lot. We're still 105 when we were – we were 104, now we're 105. Drake was 90. They remained there this week, and Bradley was 78. Now they're 77. You and I were having multiple conversations about how Bradley could be up that high, you know, Dive in again, if people forget, you, you said it earlier, and it is the case. We've looked it up before. What people take into net, you know, there's tons of things, and we'll try to pick apart Bradley and if they if they fit the bill on that one. Because, you know, in terms of resume, we talked about quad. You, you'll add that to maybe the thing. It should be that, of you know, quad records against one and two. We're better in a lot of those categories over Bradley, but obviously they take into account efficiency, right? Dive into other – remind people what net means and why Bradley might be that high. Yeah, not only winning percentage, but it also takes into account strength of schedule, game location, scoring margins, net offense, and defensive efficiency, which Bradley probably has a better net offense than us, and they are higher up. They're they're high up there with us in defensive efficiencies, and they have – it's also calculation of quality of wins and losses, which – if you look at their non-con, they didn't have a bad a bad loss like we did. We had a couple. I, we had one in USI. Um, that doesn't help us out there. Then, obviously, offensive fishing and stuff like that, not going to help. And we don't blow a lot of teams out. So, obviously, obviously scoring margin doesn't help us there. So, um, hopefully, we can just continue to win and see that gradually grow. So, we can jump in line some of these. We know we moved back up to a 13 seed in some of these bracketologies, but um, at this point with losing that USI game, if you don't lose that game, we're probably up in there in the mid-80s, I'd say. Great point, and even the game where we thought we could have beat UNLV, who, you know, has had a nice season to this point. You know, they were undefeated the start and even how that game could play out. But I think even – it's crazy because I just think if Bradley loses a really close overtime game to Illinois State, I think they're still ahead of us, and I think they're still this high. Like, I think this thing just barely changes. They will take into account some of those bad losses, no doubt. But, you know, Belmont's at 119, and it feels like they have one of the most efficient offenses in the country. They do, and they're just fine on defense. 
we talk about maybe what their non-con would be and what their bad losses. I mean, they lost to Illinois State, I guess. That ties into a little bit. Belmont seems like just a way more complete team, it seems like, than Bradley is to this point. Uh, but, yeah, you take it with a grain of salt. I guess all that is what it is to this point. Um, now, Noah, let's dive into all these brackets that we've been seeing. We can start out with Joe Lenardi's. Uh, and then, like I said, we've just been retweeting a ton of them. He did have a new one today. Uh, that you know isn't too different than what we had been seeing. I mean, he has us still as a 13 seed playing TCU. If we win, we could we could get Duke if we win. Kent State's a 12. They're one of the hottest mid majors, so they're right ahead of us. We we're talking about the line we want to reach is maybe a 12 or 11. Uh, but getting TCU, a team we've been seeing with that, we're in the same with South Region. Purdue is the one. Illinois is in this region as well. Uh, so it's good to see. I, I remember. Uh, you know, seeing some that even some still have Belmont on all this, but no, I mean, we see a lot of us in here dive into some other ones that you see that we retweeted and some of them that made sense. Some of us have us at 13, 14 seeds. It is what it is. Talk about, you know, if, if you look at those real fast, what those matchups are, some of them are pretty the same. I don't think we've seen a new one that we haven't seen before. Yeah. I mean, Rocco Miller came out with his, he has this as a 13 seed against four seed UConn. So you'd get the battle of the Newton brothers there. So, I'm sure Aaron Jones would show up in that one as well. Um, another one, the field of 68, um, had us as a 13 seed versus Virginia. So that 13 seed, I'd like to get up to a 12 if we can, if we could win out here and uh, win some games here and not lose too many more so we could get to that 12 seed. But um, Joe Lenardi put out his seed list but he had in his bracket us as a 13 seed, but on his seed list has us as a 14 seed, be the 55th team in there. Um, he has teams like Liberty that deserve to be over us, but UC Santa Barbara, Louisiana, and Seattle, I think we should be above those teams. Um, Santa Barbara's had some pretty good, uh, a pretty good season, um, but those other two, I would like to be above them. Um, then Rocco Miller, did have his top 25 out. Um, it's good to see us that Rocco puts us in his top 25. Um, then um, also wanted to mention about mid-major top 25 um, on Arch of the March, March to the Arch podcast. Uh, mid-major Madness was on there. Did say he forgot, kind of, kind of forgot about us, left us out of his top 25 um, in this week's, so and he says if we want this was it was that recording was on Monday. He said if we won this week, um, it would probably end up in his top twenty-five next week. So, um, starting to get some a little bit of mid-major attention in these top twenty-five things. We know we logged in the last one. We talked about um, in a mid-major poll, we were ninth in the top twenty-five. So. Good to see we're climbing some lists. Hopefully we can climb them even more. It is weird only seeing, because we are in that top 25 that he's got. We're only at 15. We're ahead of SLU. I'm actually watching them on TV right now. They're losing to Davidson at the half. They've been turning it on a little bit. You know, we lost to them. But a lot of good majors, and he's taken into account a lot of, like, uh, you know, uh, West Coast teams, some – Mountain West teams and stuff like that. You see, like even San Diego State's Boise State's of the world for the Mountain West or for Boise for the Mountain West and some of these. But uh, I'm going to hire on knowing how much he likes us. I think he, yeah, he had his own new uh, bracketology that had us as a 13. 
And then Fox College Hoops had us, yes, as a 13 facing Marquette. That's a match that we've been seeing a little bit more. And then we, and then Mike was on a the courtside chat. He was on there with Wyatt Wheeler, Harry Schrader, and Mike Kern talked to people from uh, two different teams every week. And it was cool to hear them talk about, you know, Mike talked about, you know, the season we're having. They talked a lot about Art Haynes, who's been going through a lot. Wyatt Wheeler was giving a lot of good info on him and, like I said, talk about their respective teams, and Harry always ends with a place that when they come to Carbondale, from Mike's side, where they can go eat, he said it's a pizza destination. They said they made it that a thing a long time ago whenever people were coming from Chicago. We get a lot of Chicago people with pizza, so they made it a big thing, and it's been a thing for 50 or more years for a lot of the places. He mentioned them all. Can't argue against any of that. And then, no, I mean, an interview we you get to, you can dive into this before we move on especially, too, is – uh, they talked to Tim Leonard. Uh, Rodney did. It was it was pre. You mentioned that was pre. Uh, for when when they talked to Nick Lawrence in a mid major madness, that was right before our Murray game. This Tim Leonard interview with Rodney was before the Murray game as well. And I just see it, you know, because he was taking a picture with Brian. We were Maroons on Friday. Some, what are some things you took away from that interview with Tim? Uh, we haven't really heard from him since then, but it's good to hear about him. And obviously, he's been doing a really good job since he took the job. Yeah, absolutely. They talked. Uh, they talked about when he I think it was back when, I guess he was at Boise State or, and we played over there, and he remembers seeing us and, um, just talking about. Um, Rodney asked him, um, if there was someone that he needed to go to or make a phone call to about it was a, uh, basketball related or whatever that who he'd make that phone call to, and he said, uh, the head coach where his previous spot was at Towson, and uh he said he would go to him and I guess his, that guy said, uh, asked, asked Tim, does if Brian, if Brian knows if that he's Tim's guy and, and Tim said, well, I hope so. And he said, that's one thing you need to make sure you need to make sure Brian knows that you're his guy, especially with the new AD coming in. That's probably, um, one of the things you want to make sure make makes clear. We know right after Tim was hired, um, things were put in motion, right right then the Nick Hill got an extension. Um, then you want to make sure that now Brian and everybody else knows. Um, we know there's a new, new women's coach and Lance Rhodes, what he's been doing with the baseball program. So um, that's the major thing I took away from that interview. Like I said, it was, it was good to hear from Good to hear the road that he's been on. He talked about, yeah, when he was at Boise, when he was a student, whenever and you know in the 90s whenever we beat them in the nit at their place and he said he just he does remember that so and you're right some other things about some uh you know tidbits and some uh knowledge he took from a lot of people were reasons like that with you know let the head coaches know that you know you know to build that relationship and like i said they took a picture with each other today so we know that relationship's there and tim has done a really good job to this point a lot of facets as you mentioned so i just saw that on there knew that it happened wanted to wanted to take that in for a second, and then quickly, uh, Pro Salukis in the G League. They played on Wednesday this week. Cash actually did not play in their win against uh, in their game, and then but I did look at the game that Kavion had for the Long Island Knights. It was a big one. Uh, I believe if it'll load here, he had over twenty points, had like eight rebounds, shots. If it'll load here, he did have twenty points. Eight rebounds, five of them, or three uh, offensive rebounds. Nine of 11 from the field in 25 minutes, two of two from three. We recall at the end of his SIU career, 
he was starting to spread the floor and shoot a couple threes, kind of on the level that we see Clarence do it. You'll see it every now and then, but not a whole lot at all. Uh, but the fact that he can make them, and that's one of his best games, no doubt about it. And then uh, that's all they played this week. Uh, I think Windy City's playing as we speak. Hopefully Cash can get in there. It was his birthday the other day, and these guys are doing great for us. And then I did have an update on Barrett Benson, another one of looking to see games that he has had in some of their games lately. I'll read off his points and rebounds. He had 16 total the previous two. But yeah, before that, I think you mentioned it beforehand of what he'd been doing. He's dropping 20 points a couple of times, a lot of rebounds. He had a 14 and 18 rebound in a game. Yeah. And some of these play, playing a lot of minutes in a game and some of their wins. And that was able to be found on uh, the website here. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep updating him just like we do the others. It's good to actually have that information now that we do. And then, uh, no, I, I wanted to touch on this because we do have fans that give us some things and I'll let you answer to the most of your knowledge and we'll kind of pick it apart quickly. Todd Patton, who's been a, uh, we were, you know, we respect Todd and when he's in our DMs asking us questions and he did mention a potential mailbag and he's really the only one that we've had recently. We'd like to get more. Wanted to shout that out a little bit. Uh, but he did have one Noah that mentioned uh, that was a topic discussed on Suzuki insider amongst others. If JD and X still have options available for the COVID-19 year still to use, I was going to answer them in the moment. I told him to, uh, you know, obviously stay tuned for this. Let everybody know to your knowledge, obviously, of and what we think they both have. We know X is a year younger than JD, but talk about if they if they would have that option that we know of. Yeah, absolutely. Both, both should have the option to come back if they want. Um, those two, along with Trent Marcus and Lance, um, all five, if they wanted to, they can use an extra year. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. We know um, definitely would accept all five back, but I know others um, would like to push at least one of those guys out, but all those five have the option. I think that if X comes back, that'll be good. We know JD as valuable as he can be. We've seen it this year. Um, does he want to continue? Um, we know it's been a grind for him with the ACL now to the back injury this year. Um, does he want to continue his career? That'll be an interesting thing, but both of them should. Um, ha- they both have the option if they want it. I'm not sure if they'll use it. It's, it's going to be weird um, as the season comes to an end, whenever it does, um, how fast decisions are made. Or maybe they've already made the decision. Maybe they've already talked to the staff because I'm sure the staff at some point would like to know, hey, do I need to maybe stay on this 2023 guy? Maybe not. Uh, Maybe we're going to – if some of these guys decide not to use the next year, maybe we'll just use it straight from the portal and bring in veteran guides to add um, with Kennard and some of these guys that like Cade that are – waiting to groom and Scotty because if JD for JD's example, if he comes back, we know what he can give us and we know that it can impact this team, but that's just another year. Scotty's blocked with minutes. Cade, where does, if, if there's three guys in front of him, Cade's not playing. I mean, I like Cade unless he just takes a giant step in what he can, but with Clarence, JD and Scotty, there's no minutes for Cade, so that's another year. Well, 
Cade, I mean, I guess since we burned his red shirt this year, Cade could sit next year and it'd be a red shirt, but that just doesn't make any sense. You can't. It's just not going to work out. So it's going to be an interesting decision, but both of them have the option. Yeah, and it's, it's an interesting thing to talk about. You're right, because conversations do happen. We see people enter the portal mid-season at times, and, uh, you know, we don't, we're not going to have any of those kinds of guys, clearly. And I think those conversations do maybe start. Like, you know, it's, it's just weird because, you know, some of the fits that we have, and they are more d- developmental, but I'd say that's more of the AJ in the now because he's new to the program compared to a Foster and Scotty who do, you know, have spotty minutes. And uh, Foster, for sure, it's been weird all season. He's been healthy. And we know Scotty since he's been back and he's impacted, so it doesn't make sense why he wouldn't play. Uh, but you make a great point because I think if J.D. could, let's say, I mean, obviously we're playing so well and J.D. is a huge part of it. If, if it continues and he's a huge part of it, with that extra year that it's like, you know, how can they not, how can they push him out the door even though it wouldn't make sense because I feel like if they were smart, they would do that knowing – how beneficial he was this year, but knowing the guys that Scotty and Clarence, Clarence is already playing, but definitely Scotty and Cade, yes, have to play that. I think the option is there. And if he, yeah, if he doesn't want to keep dealing with injuries, he's dealt with them ever since he's gotten here. Uh, so it is interesting. And I just recall, I mean, was JD a, some guys can leave after their first year of JUCO. Did JD just spend the two years at JUCO before he made the trip here? This is his third season here. So it, it would be his fifth year, but we know he's got the medical. That's when we were trying to tie it up together uh, that he spent two years at Indian Hills um, before he got here. So I was thinking about like gray wise, because X is the same age as Marcus Lance and Trent. So he would have the year, no doubt, but JD has it for sure because of medical red shirt reasons. So yeah, it's fun thing to talk about. We're playing so well, we don't even want to fathom it. Uh, but I do think we'll see some changes. And, uh, you know, we like I said, we put ourselves in those shoes to see you know, how it would fit and everything and the conversations to be had on futures there. So it's a fun topic. We're, we're glad that Todd asked it because some people were questioning that because obviously those were two impactful guys and what they'd have. But we would like to see younger players play. You know, X is one thing with a guard that we know we'll be looking for. But JD, for sure, those conversations have to be had at some point, not when you're in first place, though, and playing pretty well. Conversation will be had later on. So thanks, Todd, for the question. And Kennard, Noah, I thought I saw something that he was he blew out somebody in a, in a game. We know he's playing tonight. Uh, and then, you know, because he's they're hosting a tournament, he actually has a pretty good matchup tomorrow. We mentioned O'Fallon's right around the corner for a game that he'll have. He'll, he has some tough matchups, and he'll be playing two teams that we saw at Highland along with him. Uh, like I said, did you see that he lost recently? Not sure of any box scores. And then you mentioned his tough game that he's got tomorrow. Yeah, it's it's hard to track. I mean, not a lot of teams. I mean, Max Preps doesn't even track it very well either, but um, he does have a tough matchup against Staley um, out of the Kansas City area. We know we got to see them in Highland and what, how loaded they are um, with – Iowa State, Colorado State, Indiana State commits that it's going to be a tough, tough matchup for them. So it's going to be interesting. I'm going to stay tuned. Hopefully, um, maybe we can find out exactly since it's a big game, we can get some stats or some tweets about Kennard. So it's good. We know they got, I think his team got Trey Williams back after an injury has sidelined him for a month. So we didn't get to see him at Highland. So that helps 
Kennard in that backcourt. Um, then diving into the upcoming games for uh, the Missouri Valley weekend, some big games. You um, and I at Indiana State, if if this isn't a must win for Indiana State, I don't know what it is. They're favored by six at home, which kind of surprises me. It was way as as well as you and I is playing a team that's lost six in a row is favored by six. Um, I would take the plus there. Um, then Missouri State travels over to Murray State. Murray State fired by one and a half. Um, Valpo hosting Evansville. I think Valpo sweeps Evansville, so Valpo gets back on the winning ways. Sunday, the big one, uh, Drake at Belmont on ESPN2. That's a big one to watch out for. Then Bradley at UIC. But picks-wise, I would take um, UNI plus the points in that one. What about you? Yeah, that's that's the interesting thing is we know UNI, they do play, seem like, all their games at home. We've seen them on the road. They, you know, they beat Valpo, you know, late, and they lost at Belmont. So they can be kind of, you know, different on the road as most teams are that's too high of a spread a part of me just because they're so desperate and you know we and because we need some breathing room like whether i'll pick them or not i'll i will go with indiana state to see if they can help us out a little bit with it being at home if they don't then that shows you the great job jacobson continues to do to get them to nine and three but it shows you just how much more six and oh to oh and six in their next six I'll take Indiana. I'll take Indiana State to win. I think you and I covers. I think I do think it'll be close. We'll see. They kind of have the same play styles in that one. You mentioned the other game, Missouri State. Murray State is a fantastic game, uh, and Murray's been good at home or at home. Were their only lots. Missouri State's kind of fighting for that spot. They're a game ahead of Murray. It's tough to pick this one. Murray State's a Missouri State's a lot deeper than Murray is. They kind of have the same play styles. If Missouri State slows it down and Murray State makes some mistakes, I think I'm going to take the Bears on the road, Noah. So they cover the one and a half that Murray is. What do you What do you think? And then dive into that other Saturday game. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I mean, I it doesn't matter what I think. I think I just want. I know it it would help them out, but help some seeding out this and that. But I just want Murray to take some L's at this point. So I will take the Bears on the road as well. Then. I'll take Valpo minus nine. I think at home they had a had a they battled at UNI, but I think this team's starting to come along and it could be I'm not gonna say it's the team that with JFL and Donovan Clay that went to the championship a couple of years ago, but this team's coming around and finding some pieces that are making some good impacts for that team. So I think Evansville is still I don't think they'll win a game all year. So Valpo by nine at home. You're right, because they have the Edwards and the Greens of the world to help the the two that they have. I agree. They could be a dangerous team. We mentioned they'd be playing Murray if they if they win, they'd get us. And I think Valpo would give Murray a run for the money in that potential kind of game. That shows you that the impact Valpo could have. I'll take that as well. Minus nine. I agree. Evansville won't win another game. And then, yeah, we don't have the spreads for the Sunday games. But Drake Belmont will be fantastic at 2 o'clock on Sunday, the same time as us. And then Bradley UIC, a lot of good games. If you, I mean, we need some help. You know, even if Drake, a couple games behind us, can win at Belmont, tough thing to do. And then UIC tries to win at home against Bradley, just, you know, just to get some distance. We'll take it. If we can still win, we still have tiebreakers. We're still ahead of everybody. Just take care of your own business. Don't count on others to 
help you out in that regard, but it would be nice to get some breathing room, as we've said. So, no, with that being said, let's talk about our 2 o'clock game on Sunday. Uh, like we, we mentioned, the days in between. It would be nice to have for Troy's back, for Marcus's ankle. Uh, you know, obviously we're looking good. We know Illinois State's coming off that tough Bradley game and some other games. I mean, they've been struggling. They are three and eight. Uh, you know, obviously on the conference season. Ever since we only played them two weeks ago, it hasn't been too far. I think they've what they've had maybe one or two games pre-Bradley. Before, you know, since they played us, dive into that and then dive into you know we know the personnel, but you know maybe how some are playing. Some are playing better than others. There's a new leading score for them per game that's playing better. And obviously they're at home. It should be a little bit more, you know, obviously they should, they should be really pissed about that game that just happened. So I think we should not hold our guard at all. Talk about what they've been doing, their, what their players have been doing. Yeah. I mean, last home, they, last home game they had, they got beat by 20 by Valpo. So I know they want to give their fans something else uh, a lot better to watch out, but this team's been, this been team's been grinding. I mean, um, after two wins, we beat them by 12. They didn't make that easy. We couldn't we ended up closing out out decently well. They only lose by two at you and I. Then they get blown out by Valpo at home. Then they go on a maybe they're looking past Valpo there and looking at that rivalry matchup against Bradley. Battled in that one. So this is a game where it's gonna be interesting in conference play. Uh Kendall Lewis has been bad. He's down four points from his overall average in conference play and points per game. He's not playing very well. He was, he was, he was good the other night against Bradley though. So maybe that's a streak. He's starting. He had 16 points, 12 rebounds in that Bradley game. So he was huge in that one. Uh, Burford's been the catalyst though. I mean, down the stretch there, um, he eventually came back in because somebody fouled out or something, but he was, didn't play for a lot of minutes and, that game against Bradley only played 21 minutes, but he was coming off 23 points against Valpo 14 against at you and I. So he's their lead new leading scorer in conference play only. Um, but guys like we know Seneca Knights up there in points per game for him. Um, he's taken over a lot of these games. Didn't do a lot against us. Didn't. I mean, he struggled a little bit against us, but guys are starting to, the other night, Kazabuke was struggling with cramps. McChesney cramped in that one. Uh, Sissoko has been banged up, played very few minutes the other night. Sandage played very few. He's, we know he's coming off an injury. But guys like uh, Petrakis, he's been spotty. He's not playing a lot of minutes for him. Uh, we know Alex Kodoff, I think, got teed up. I got a, what was part of a double tech in like two minutes of play the other night. So trying to play a lot of guys, but it's not a consistent rotations, but their main guys are really fighting and keeping them in games. Yeah. I mean, Seneca lives in the pain. I mean, he'll, he'll make the occasional three, but he went, you know, he went six of 11 in in the pain. I mean, he, when he gets it, turns the corner, he's going and he can finish. We saw that against us. And we saw that in that Bradley game, he did have 19 and seven. They, yeah, they like to switch it up. Kendall Lewis on the bench, you know, played 37 of the however many, you know, of the 45 minutes, uh, you know, and had his typical 16 and 12. So they'll change it up. Yeah, they're not getting a whole lot of, yeah, Sandage is back. Like we said, didn't play against us, whether, and he only took one shot. So, you know, whether he, he, been, whether he factors in in this game or not, 
Uh, but that, I mean, that's a good starting five they got with or without Kendall of Liam, who lit us up from three in our game. And they had that lead. I mean, Poindexter is good. You mentioned how he finally missed a free throw after ha- having however many in a row. He was 100% on the season. Burford has turned it on, on. Yeah, struggled a little bit in that game with the four fouls. Luke struggled to shoot. It seemed like he is at times. But he was six of seven from the line to have help his 13. But one of five, three of 11. And then, I mean, other than that, yes, Ahsoka will come in. I mean, everything we knew about him from the previous game, it's just who's playing well for him. Burford has been. They're an interesting team. And Brian's six and six and one against them. I mean, you know, they still have a bottom, you know, bottom three offense. They still have, uh, you know, they're like, they're sixth in defense. So they are a good defensive team, as we know, and through all these stats that they have. But they still lead the league in turnovers with almost two more than the next team, which is UIC. We're actually third on that list. So they will turn it over. I mean, you. I mean, Noah, they turned it over 20-something times, 20-something times. Like I don't remember the exact number. And that Bradley game with overtime still. But So they'll do it. And they had crucial ones down the stretch. They can't finish games either from the poor and to put them away uh, in this one. And, you know, it'll be fun to go. Like I mentioned, us and another friend of ours will be going to 2 o'clock, leaving early to make the trip. We don't have a spread uh, if you were to predict the spread and then have your prediction and then your dog of the game. Yeah, I think uh, the spread will probably be us favored six and a half, seven and a half in that range. Um, I would take the plus in that one. I think uh, they're they're starting to hang around and play tough games. Um, like coming off that, that one the other night. Then um, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but um, – if this team, we know that Brian said this team has been w- looking at the standings and they watch the other games, see what happens. But um, next Wednesday, there's there's could be a look ahead spot to a big road game at Bradley. I'm not saying it will happen. This team has been known not to not be prepared for games, so I think we can still keep this one and steal one on the road because in this league and at this point. It's find a way to win, and I think we can squeak one by on the road. But I, if it's seven and a half, six and a half, I think we, they will cover the plus. But I think we will win a close one on the road because tough place to play. We've been pretty good lately under Brian up there, so hopefully we can sweep the Redbirds because we don't like the Redbirds. And dog of the game, um, I think I'm gonna go with JD Mula. I think. Being coming in and being effective, rebounding, being aggressive. If it's Kendall Lewis inside, if it's Knight coming inside, um, the only we know McChesney was big for him last time. Hopefully, JD can bring some energy and maybe help out with the interior rebounding and stuff because they rebounded, they out rebounded Bradley the other night by a, a big margin. I think it was like, I want to say it was like 44 to like 28. So, um, JD's going to be big on the boards in this one. I think they're just a tough team. I mean, they do fight. I mean, they keep them close. They can't finish, and that's the whole thing with a with a brand new team and everything. But I I mentioned that they you know they kind of play you know poised a lot of the time, and they'll screw themselves over with those turnovers. But they can defend and they can rebound. I mean, they can do it all. You mentioned how. Uh, uh, Petrakis isn't really playing. We know Ryan Schmidt, who was huge for him last year, he doesn't play at all. We know they have that Andrews kid too, so they're playing some guys that could help them. Probably they don't play; they have their core, uh, so they get by. But I mean, I yeah, I think 
with us being on the road, no matter how we're playing and how they're playing, it won't be – I don't think it would reach 10. We've seen – I think it maybe was just – I don't even remember some other games that might have been around 10 for us, you know, on the road. I, I definitely think it will be within the 6.5 to 10. But I think they cover two. I, it would be nice to, like, blow them out in this game. But they play two, you know, like I said, they'll get after you. So I can see them playing it close. I think I'll go with X because – Burford and Poindexter can be so pivotal for them in moments that X has to play well, uh, and he can't continue his roller coaster. He's got to play a little better than he had been. It'll be good, bad, good, bad. So maybe this can be one of his good after a so-so game. Previously, we know Scotty played against them uh, at our place. Not saying we're going to see him in this game. I hope we do clearly because he impacted it obviously at the end of the first half to stop a run and did everything else we knew about. So. They're going to go on their own run, so we got to make sure you know they don't get open shots. If Sandage plays, got to make sure he doesn't kill us in moments when he's been spotty and hurt. So just taking care of business. It's one of those things. It'll be fun to be there. Uh, I've never personally been there, obviously, to watch SIU or for anything else. We mentioned, yeah, when, on our Wednesday game, if they don't look ahead and they're, you know, that so that in that aspect of the example you used, it could be a trap game in that in that sense of a look ahead. Um, it'll be interesting though. Yeah, I think I, I do think we'll win. Obviously, to get the ten and two, it will be a dog fight though. No pun intended. So, like I said, X, and I could hopefully see Scotty playing. No final thoughts before we end it. Yep, definitely looking forward to making another road trip to see this team play. I know if you're if you're listening and you keep track of our road trip record, it's not good. So, hopefully, we can bring some luck this time and squeak one out on the road going up here and winning another one and sweeping these Redbirds because um, this is not one of the top rivals in the conference. Um, we know we just had a one brewing the other night, but this is one to watch out for. Um, can't look ahead. Like you said, we got to take care of business, and we've accepted as Saluki fans we're going to play ugly and we're going to win ugly, but at the end of the day, wins are wins, and that's what we need to do this weekend. It's weird you say that because I'm thinking of if we had a true rival that wasn't now quote unquote Murray, people have mentioned Evans voters because they're close, but they haven't been good for a while. Even when they were really good, we weren't. Uh, but it's hard to say. I would say Illinois State would be that, like those middle of the state teams, like Bradley and Illinois State. Illinois State is a rival in football as well. Um, it's hard to say if we have any true rivals outside of that, though, but I would say Illinois State, yeah, clearly is one of them. I'd say they would even be the top one just over the years because it doesn't seem like anyone else would fit that bill. But you said it there. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch them. Uh, yeah, I just need to take care of business. That's all we ask for. We'll be in attendance. It should be fun. Two o'clock Sunday ESPN plus if you can't make it should be fun. So with that all being said for Nick Malone, no alerts until next time, as always go dogs.